Yeah, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the potentially first episode of a brand new show, an HW show. Uh, I'm your host, Jim Ike. I have a special guest or a potential co-host for future episodes, the one and only Jim. Can I call you the Junkyard Dog? Yeah, sure. Why not? Hey, we yep. got Jim Dowd with us tonight. What's going on, Jim? Hey, glad to be here, guys. Yes, I mean, uh, we spoke last summer, but obviously uh, a lot's changed in a year, you know, uh, in personal life and, and of course, hockey, which we're going to get to. There's some topics that we're going to discuss, but first, you know, for the people who may not have heard the episode last year, let's talk about you a little bit, Jim, because it's it's not often that you get to talk to a guy who's played for 10 different teams in the NHL, and you were lucky enough to, to be able to play for quite a few. Yeah, man, it was a good run. Seven, ten teams over 17 years, man. Two ways to look at it. A lot of teams really want you. <laughs> That's one way I look at it. A lot of teams want oh, you. Yeah. Great run, man. I grew up in Brick, New Jersey. Never thought I'd play college hockey, let alone in the NHL for 17 years, you know. So it was a great run, and I ended up in, in, with the Philadelphia Flyers in 708 when I was 40 years old. So, um, And even my last season was a great year. We lost to the Penguins in the conference finals in five games. So uh, it was a great run, made a ton of great friends, and um, – you know, I got two boys that are playing hockey now at a high level, so it's uh, it's been quite a ride. You know what? I did notice that, and we could talk about that for a second if you want, because I was on, uh, I think it was Hockey DB there, and yep. not only does Jim Dowd pop up now, but Jimmy Dowd pops up. That's your son? Yeah, Jimmy Dowd Jr. He's going into Penn State this year for hockey and school, for school and hockey. And uh, my youngest son, Anthony, is a junior in high school. going to be a senior. He just committed to Providence this past wow. winter, so it's pretty good, man. Two great schools, two great hockey programs, and they, they love what they're doing. Hell yeah. I mean, they, I mean, they had a hell of a role model, so that's awesome. Yeah, Congratulations yeah. there. <clears throat> so I noticed as I'm – I mean, obviously, you're from you're from Brick, uh, New Jersey. And did you grow up a, a Devils fan? Actually, a Rangers fan till 1982. And then the Devils moved there when I was 13. I'm like, all right, great. We don't have a football, baseball, basketball in the group for but now we got a hockey team. So I guess I became a Ranger fan, and or sorry, Devils fan in '82 because I'm I'm right sort of at the cutoff yeah. where right down Route 70, halfway down Route 70, it's all Flyers, Eagles, Sixers, Phillies, and then north side of Route 70, you hate the Flyers, you hate the Sixers, you hate them. You know what I mean? So you got your choice up here of the you know Islanders, Rangers, Devils. Most people were Rangers fans by us, and. Uh, then became a Devils fan in 82, then five years later in 87, getting drafted by him was like, you know, holy cow. You know, and then winning a Stanley Cup with them was unbelievable. And it was pretty funny. I got a great story about the Flyers. So we literally hated the Flyers growing up. Mm-hmm. And it was my last season. I was turning 40 years old. I actually called Paul Holmgren because I was a free agent. I knew they tried to trade for me a couple times. And I said, listen, Homer, uh, I didn't call him Homer then because I didn't know him as Homer. I said, hey, uh, Mr. Holmgren, you know, I'd love to come play for you. I know you tried to trade for me. I literally called him myself. And it worked out. I said, listen, if you come to training camp and do what you do, you got a job because we're looking for somebody like you, guy that's been around, a, a good role model, and can play sort of any forward position. Went to camp, made the team. They made the cap space, and the rest is history. So, uh, But it was pretty weird playing for the – it only took me a couple weeks to get used to it, though. But I literally hated the Flyers growing up. Which that's how sports <laughs> supposed to be. You're supposed to hate the teams you, you're not on or you don't root – you know, your favorite team always has those rivals. You hate it. You know, the, the, the Islanders, the Rangers, when I became a Devils fan, and the Flyers. It's, that's how it should be. I agree 100%. In a fun way, you know what I mean? Not some crazy-ass way, but some fun way. You're supposed to hate the other team. Yeah, I agree 100%. Uh, and I feel like, I mean, it's the Metro division now. Back, I mean, it used to be the Atlantic, and I'm sure, what was it before? It used to be like the Patrick division stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. I feel like at least that little 
area of teams has the best rivalry. I mean, they're so close together. There's like four or five teams, right, you know, within a couple hours of each other. Uh, I, I can't stand the Rangers, man. I hit like the <laughs> Devils. Like you guys ruined my childhood growing yeah, up. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it's all it's all in good fun now. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So uh, yeah, I was looking over some of the teams you played for, and I I could talk about your career for forever, man. And oh, I'm yeah. sure you could too. But I mean, playing for your hometown team, what was that? What was that like? I mean, I know you said you grew up a Rangers fan. You ended up liking the Devils, but what are the odds that happens? And, and like, what kind of excitement was that for you? What was the experience like? Um, unbelievable. I mean, back then, I'm 51 years old. I graduated high school in 1987. And back then, if you weren't from Massachusetts, Minnesota, Chicago, Detroit area, they didn't even give you a sniff. And I, I, I've been coaching for the last 11 years since I retired. I'm coaching my boys and their teams. And I tell people, listen, you just need one human being to like you. And I knew nothing about college hockey. I was just a kid trying to stay out of trouble playing hockey and baseball at Brick High School. I wasn't a burnout. I wasn't a jock. I could hang out with, you know, both crowds, you know, um, and uh, never even thought about that. And, and all of a sudden, this Lake Superior, Frank Anslone, takes a chance on me, and the rest is history. And then I'll never forget, it was my senior year of high school, and my college coach, Frank Anslone, told me, you're probably going to get drafted. I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. I, didn't even, I wasn't even thinking about that. And then I'll never forget. The only I thought to myself, I didn't tell anybody this, and back then it was 12 rounds in the draft. I said to myself, ah, the only team I don't want to get drafted by is the Devils because I thought it would have been a charity pick. But it was about 5.30 at night, and I got the call from Marshall Johnston saying, hey, Jim, we just drafted you, the New Jersey Devils, in the eighth round. So my first instinct was, oh, great. It was the eighth round, not the 12th, so maybe it's not a charity <laughs> pick. And then I proceeded to go to a party that night, had a blast, and uh, – you know, it's just, it's, it's amazing. And not only that, but, you know, actually getting a chance to play with them, you know, my rookie year, we lose to the Rangers in the conference finals. Then we win the cup. I mean, it's so surreal. You know what I mean? Cause I was literally a kid just trying to survive basically. You know what I mean? We had nothing growing up and, uh, but our baseball bats, our hockey sticks are, you know, I'm one of seven kids. My parents got us to all our sporting events, but the rest of our life was a total shit show. Um, but it was all about sports and it was great. My parents just love sports and, you know, it worked out pretty much uh, pretty unbelievable. You can't write a, a better script than this, you know? Yeah, I'll say. And then to go on and have the career that you had, I mean, you, you were everywhere. You were West Coast. You were, you know, as far north as you could get with, with Edmonton. And then, you know, even in Colorado, Chicago, you played for some some big-time hockey cities, man. Minnesota, you played for an expansion team. You actually put up some points for the Wild. Yeah, I'm yeah. looking over the stats here. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, man, he was, a, he was a point scorer for a couple yeah. years there. I got lucky. I mean, people ask me, what's your favorite place you played? I said, you know what? You know, don't count New Jersey because I'm from here and all that. But I played in all the other nine places were all amazing hockey cities. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Vancouver was the only one. And that was my own fault. I had a, I didn't play well there. It was my first trade. You know, I was like, what the heck's going on? I went from the East Coast all the way out West, you know, and mm -hmm. they were going through some stumbling blocks there. And, and I just I didn't play. I wasn't mentally prepared for a trade. And I never just, I never caught up to it and, and it just didn't work out there. And it was nobody else's fault but my, but my own, you know, but all the other places, Vancouver's a great hockey city, everywhere in Canada, Calgary, Edmonton, Montreal. I love, love playing for the Canadians. You know, uh, I just, I'm a, I'm a history buff when it comes to sports, especially hockey. And uh, to walk in that dressing room and all those Stanley cups, you know, it's like playing for the New York Yankees, mm -hmm. you know, the Boston Celtics, the LA Lakers, Dallas Cowboys, Pittsburgh Steelers, you know? So, uh, 
I guess you could throw the Eagles in there now that they got their Super Bowl, huh? Oh yeah, <laughs> finally. <laughs> no, but in all, in all kidding aside, it, uh, I had a great run in some great cities, man. Like I, Minnesota, four years there. I mean, it's the closest you're going to get to the atmosphere in Canada. Every single game was a sellout. Preseason games were all sellouts there. You know what I mean? In Philadelphia, that's a great vibe when it comes to hockey. Hockey's the number one sport in Philly. I don't care what anybody says. They love their hockey in Philly, and and boy, the fans are. You know, that's a great place to play. It is kind of cultish, you know. I mean, the Eagles, everybody loves the Eagles. The Phillies have their crowd, you know. Uh, I think people go to baseball games a lot of times because it's just something fun to do. Yeah, yeah. Whereas um, if you're going to a Flyers game, you're going to watch hockey. You're going to watch them win. And it feels like every fan kind of has the same mindset while you're at the game. Yeah, they're, 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 like I said, you, you hate them. When, I, I tell you, my, there's seven of us. My oldest brother, Pete's 67. My youngest brother, John's 47. Every time. My brother Pete would come to the games in Philly when I was on the opposing team and get into a fight with somebody. You know what I mean? It was just, uh, <laughs> but that's what you got to love about Philly. You know, they're passionate, you know, yep. and um, they stick behind their team. I tell this story all the time. In 07, 08, I played there. 06, 07, the Flyers came in dead last in the Eastern Conference. Remember? Yeah. They were dead last, 15th place. They were still getting 14,000, 15,000 fans a game. Uh-huh. I dead watched every game play. that year. <laughs> no, dead, I mean, that's the type of fan base they have there. It's unbelievable. And, and uh, God rest his soul, Ed Snyder, probably probably the best owner I've ever played for. You know, he's just an amazing guy. You know, from when I was there for the one year, you know, what he did for the, 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 the players' families, the, their friends, the fans, it was all about that. You know, if you're, if you're a Flyers fan, you can never be mad at Ed Snyder. No, I have nothing negative to say about no, the man. No. He was uh, – I loved him. He was exactly what I wanted. You would want an owner to be. I mean, yep. he cared about the team. He cared about the players, and he wanted to win. Yep. Um, I do want to ask you because uh, you have, you know, you've been traded a few times, and you mentioned how you weren't, you know, mentally prepared for the trade to Vancouver. Uh, can you kind of take me through what that experience is like for you? I mean, especially the first time, and how did it get easier after that? Well, the first time it was the it just. And everybody says your first trade's your hardest, you know, um, especially as a college kid. You know, you're not, you're not used to that. You go to college, you're not getting traded. You're playing college, you know, four years, you're going to play. Junior hockey, you can get traded. But in the NHL, you know, that was my first trade. And I just was like, whoa, what's going on here? Away from my family. I got traded at the December 19th deadline, you know, or at the December 19th deadline, there's no trades from the 20th to the 27th. And I got traded right at the deadline, you that know, like so out there, missed Christmas, you know, that year at back home. Um, which that wasn't the end of the world, but it was just one of those things. I just wasn't ready for it. And I never got, I was got uh, for whatever reason, it was my own fault, you know? And then I had a blip in my career. Um, you know, I tell people this all the time. The easy part was getting to the NHL. People are like, what are you talking about? I said, listen, the easy part's getting there. The hard part's staying there. You know, I was the best in New Jersey as a kid, best in travel hockey, best in high school. Oh, sorry about that. No, I was no problem. Best, okay. best in, uh, you know, college. And then I've got to the minor leagues. I was the best in the AHL, so I got up to the NHL, got my shot. You know, I started out as a power play guy, you know, top six forward. And then all of a sudden, hit a little bump in the road and uh, actually got sent back to the minors at 28 years old, 27 years old. And when you get sent back to the minors at 27 years old in Major League Baseball, NHL, you're not getting back. You're no. done. Hold on. All right, I was going to say, if you wanted to get that, I can pause no, it and start back. I'm not doing that. Anyway, it's good for the show. Uh, but anyway, <laughs> so that, that was one. I had to get my head out of my rear end. So my wife and I are playing in Hamilton, Ontario. I'm 27 years old, just about turning 28. Already had two nice contracts under my belt. Won a Stanley Cup. Had all these teams from Europe calling us. We could have went over there and made great money. I said, listen, Lee, 
We don't have kids yet. Let's give it one more year. If we don't make it back to the NHL, we're only 27, turning 28. We'll go to Europe, play as long as we can, and save some money, do whatever we got to do. She goes, no problem. About a month and a half into that season, I'm sitting there. What the heck? I just went from the penthouse to the outhouse. Mm. Back to playing with all 20-year-old kids in the minor leagues. But that's when my wife and I got into the whole organic, all natural way of living, supplements and everything. And uh, we did the P- James Diadamo, eat right for your blood type. And uh, he had an office in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, and one in Toronto. So we made an appointment, went saw him. I did it cold turkey. I went from playing at 192 pounds down to 182 to 184. And lo and behold, I didn't screw around during the season anymore. If I was going to have my fun, it was going to be in the off season. And I never missed workouts. And I ended up playing the next 12 straight years where I have a day in the minors. You know, so uh, it was just, it's a matter of being mentally ready. So after that, getting traded was no big deal, you know. And, and when I made my way back, it was actually Jock Lemaire who brought me to Minnesota, him and Doug Riseborough, which was huge. But it was actually... Actually, the Edmonton Oilers, I should say. You know, Walt Kyle, Scott Hausen were in the minor leagues, and Kevin Lowe that following year was head coach, and him and McTavish loved me. So it's one of those things you just keep working, you know, keep get your head on straight, and good things happen. I just I just lost it there for uh, uh, about two years, a year and a half to two years. I wasn't – my head wasn't screwed on straight. You know, and the crazy part of it is, you know, I'm looking at the uh, stats you put up here. You're, you really took off stats-wise yeah. when you turned 31, Yeah, which is incredible. Like, yeah, I tell people, just I'm tell, I, I, uh, everybody wants to gain weight, gain this, gain the gain weight. What, I, I was playing at 192 my whole career. My last 12 years, I was playing at 182 pounds. I was quicker, stronger, faster, you know, and, yeah. uh, and I just had that belief. I had confidence. I had lost my confidence, you know, and it's, I try to teach kids, too, don't blame anything on the coach or anybody else. You know, you got to make it work. Make, don't be that guy when you're 48 years old. Oh, I got screwed by the coach. Don't be that guy. Just make it work somehow. You you're know? teaching uh, accountability and Yeah, you have to. You have to because you got to look in the mirror. That's what it's all about. And I had a great support staff. My wife and my family was great, you know. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you, you said you were living in uh, – where were you living from? Yeah, Hamilton, Ontario on the minors. And you, did you meet your wife, I'm assuming, uh, in, in uh, New I, Jersey? I, we've known each other since eighth grade. Oh, wow. Uh, well, we didn't start dating until after college, so it worked out perfect for both of us. So Get the know? hell out of here. That's a pretty yeah. cool story. Uh, well, we knew each other since eighth grade, but we never started dating until after college. And, you know, it worked out. We've been married 22 years now, so two boys. How about that? Congratulations. Yeah, like it. Thanks, man. Yeah, for sure. So, <laughs> excuse me. So, you mentioned, you know, let's let's get into some of the topics we had here because we could talk, like I said, we could talk about you forever. Yeah. Hopefully, we have future episodes where we can get to some of that. But, you know, you played for an expansion team in Minnesota. Uh, an expansion team, uh, came, uh, the Seattle Kraken, came out with their nickname today. Um, everyone's kind of given their opinion on Twitter. I'm sure you've seen. What are your thoughts on this name? I, you know what? I don't even know about nicknames anymore, and I don't even want to get into that with the other sports <laughs> leagues. But uh, you know, I, I know I forgot all about that. I looked it. I looked it up, and it's uh, it's fine. You know what I mean? I mean, I I'm I'm cool with it. You know. You got to start um, going with mystical characters so you don't offend yeah, right? anybody anymore. All I know is that they got a, a tough road to follow, man. After what Vegas did. Hell yeah. Oh, so it's amazing what Vegas did there, and hopefully, uh, Seattle can, if they even do a half of what Vegas did, it'll be amazing. You know, yeah, I, I think Vegas really set a, a high bar there. <laughs> that was crazy what they did. One game away from winning the Stanley Cup their first year. You yeah. know, that was, that was unbelievable. So, 
even yeah, adding some wait. of the players that they have now. Sorry, in, in like Pacioretty and uh, Stone, like their roster is better yeah. than a lot of these other teams already. Yes, they did. A, you know, uh, they, did, they did a great job there. You know, yeah, they sure did. George McPhee, he was the assistant GM in uh, Vancouver when I was there. You know, he's done a great, he's done a great job there. Now he's the president, I think. Mm-hmm. And Freeman's in there as the the GM now. So, but what what a and they're just a fun team to watch. Yeah, they did a hell of a job. They really yeah. did. But no, just go back to Seattle. You know, it is what it is. It's it's you know we'll get used to it. <laughs> yeah, I'm just gonna be blunt. I can't stand it. Yeah. And first, when I look, I just looked at it today for the first time. So give me the next podcast we do. I'll give you my total honest opinion. I just got to look at it a little bit longer. <laughs> for battle, like, what is that? A minor league jersey? Yeah. Did you see the uniform? You saw the jersey? Yeah. 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 I wasn't crazy for. It. I mean, they could have done anything. If you're gonna pick a crazy fun name like that, because that's what everyone was saying, right? That's oh, it's yeah. a fun name. Go with the fun one. And then you yeah. come out with a boring ass logo like that. It's like wow, like you could have done anything with that. Yeah, and I'm a huge Ron Francis fan, so you know, I hope he does well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it'll be fun. Another NHL team. Um, what are your thoughts on the way they keep expanding? I mean, expansion teams are cool because I guess you know, new uniforms, new team, whatnot, but. I'm not sure I like the league getting so big because doesn't it kind of water down the product a little bit? Yeah, you know what? You could say that, but I mean, there's everyone from all over the planets in the NHL now. You know what I mean? There's tons of guys playing. Yes and no. You know, now you talk about the salary cap. I would say we get rid of the salary cap, you know, because, you know, then you could load up on teams with great players like they used to be. And it still didn't guarantee you were going to win. But I mean, you know, it is what it is. There's. You know, it's there's kids coming from players coming from all over the world now. Everybody wants to come here. You know, every country, the best players, they want to come here. You know, so there's two ways to look at it. I get your point, you know, gets watered down a little bit. But, you know, hey, there's kids coming from everywhere now. You know, the best league, everybody wants to to be in it. There's more kids playing in the U.S. than ever before. You know, um, hockey's grown a ton. You know, with uh, started with, you know, 1980, the U.S. Olympics and, you know, uh, Gretzky coming here. You know, and then a bunch of Stanley Cups in the U.S. You know, it's been a while since there's been one in Canada, and that helps out big time in the U.S. When you win Stanley Cups, the Kings, you know, the, the, the Ducks out there winning Cups. You know, look at the tri-state area here. Even though the Flyers haven't won since, what, 74, 75, whatever it is. Uh-huh, they, they had to get that in there. right up there. There's hockey's huge down in South Jersey and Philly. Yep. You know, with the Rangers winning in 94, the Devils winning three Cups, the Islanders all through the 80s. So, you know, tons of kids are playing hockey, so – you know, why not excited? I, I doubt they're going to expand anymore. I mean, who knows, though? You never know. I guess that makes sense in that way, where, like, if you're looking at the NHL like a big net to kind of catch all these guys, adding another team kind of helps. Yeah. You know, it gives them a team to play for and whatnot. So, okay, I understand that point of view there. Um, what did I want to get to next here? So, the playoff format and formations was something I wanted to touch on. What are your – what's your – just your honest, you know, candid thoughts about how everything was kind of set up here for the summer and, you know, how things are looking to start next year. If, if you had an opinion and you wanted people to hear it, what is it? You know what? Uh, if they can pull this off, I give the league credit. You know, what what a, you know, crazy few months here. And, uh, you know, uh, with the Summer Olympics camp now, we get that TV contract, you know, the Owners and players can save quite a bit of money. From what I understand, if they don't play at all, they lose 1.1 or 1.2 billion. But if they play and they get this TV contract, they can save about 500 million. You know, which is good not only for them but businesses. It's good good for all around. You know, and hey, 
you know, will be the first ones coming back here. So it will probably grab some new fans as well. Um, I'm still a little confused on the playoff format, but like I said, if they can pull this off, man, give them all the credit in the world. You yeah, know? it looks like they could pull it off. I, I think yeah. everyone's, you know, pretty safe as far as, uh, you know, the way they're handling things and whatnot. Uh, I did see something the other day that I, I hadn't thought of. And a, a player like Claude Giroux, for example, is going to miss his kid's first birthday because he obviously can't be with his family during this whole thing. So, I mean, from that kind of standpoint, I think it kind of sucks, you know, that yeah, yeah. obviously your family can't be around with you and you're missing out on important things. Um, as a fan, it still doesn't really feel like it's going to happen. Like, I don't believe it's going to happen until it actually does. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. You know, yeah. they, they change to, things change daily, and then you know if it's quiet for like two days, you know there's some shit storms coming here, so nobody knows what's going on, and you know it, it's I don't even want to get into that either. So <laughs> uh, November third, that's all I need to say. You know, Is whatever that's, that's going to be the start of next season. Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying that's the election. So <laughs> this is like, you know. but I guess the NHL if they can pull this off, have a Stanley Cup winner, and then start the next season in probably January, I would guess, right? And then finish out on the regular time, and then the next year we'll be back to normal again. So, you know, um, like I said, if they could pull this off, man, I mean, it would be unbelievable, you know? So just to be sure, you're definitely in favor. Like, your opinion this entire time, was it they should definitely try to finish the playoffs, or was was it ever can this season and start fresh next year? I was can this season and start fresh in September with training camp and have a regular season, you know, that, that was my, my whole thing. But, but, you know, like I said, it's, it's a business, it's a big business, billion, multi-billion dollar business. And, you know, it's not just the players and, 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 you know, the owners, there's other people that livelihoods depend on the NHL. So, you know, right. if they can pull this off and save them, whatever, from what I understand, about half a billion dollars, it's, it's good for everybody. But in a perfect world, hey, I would have loved for them just to can it and start training camp September and start the regular season October and get back to normal then. Yeah, you know what's funny? So the whole March, April, May, even part of June, I'm like, yeah, when are they going to start? When are they going to start? Because it was still somewhat early. Yeah. Uh, and then come like the end of June, early July, I'm like, they should have just canned this whole thing, man, because they could have had a draft. They could have done the draft sometime in June. I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but it's still fun to look at. Yeah. Uh, they could have done a draft. We would have had the draft to talk about for a while. And this is me talking selfishly now as a fan. But uh, we could have had free agency, you know, early July. Players would know where they're going to be playing next year. They would have, you know, maybe new contracts. Uh, these the, the rookie kids would know where they're going to be playing next season. Things would kind of be set. I feel like right now everything's still kind of like a cluster, you know, where they got to cram in the playoffs, then they got to cram in the draft, which we'll also touch on the draft lottery, and then they got to cram in free agency. And uh, and I I guess they're going to get a little bit of a break there, September, November, December, for everything to get sorted out. But it just feels like, you know, you could be playing in a Stanley Cup game in September on one team, and you could be on a different team in uh, two months. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's – I mean – the whole thing's comical, actually. No fans in the stands and this and that, all these sports. It's just like, anyway, that's a whole other podcast we got to do on that. Well, we, I mean, we could touch on that because, I mean, people are allowed almost everywhere, I feel like, except for 
sporting events anymore. And and obviously like concerts and things like that. But you can't tell me they can't find a way to I mean, there's so many seats. You can't keep people six feet apart in seats. And that's even if like I don't know where you stand with a lot of this stuff, Jim, but like just put people let people it's out. Political. The whole thing's political. That's where I stand. That's kind of what that's kind of how I am too. All so, right, so like we're on the same page. So we don't both don't get in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> like just put the people in the seats, especially if they're wearing masks. Like they obviously they, they should have nothing to worry about, right? Yeah. So if they work, but, there's no problem. Yeah. So whatever. But that's inter- that's an interesting thing to, uh, for me too. So let me ask your perspective there. If you were on one of these teams, would it matter not playing in front of fans for you? I mean, what would what would you, how would you be thinking if you were a player during all this? It's like one big youth hockey league tournament, you know. Um, that's what it basically is. And again, it has nothing to do with hockey. It has only has to do with money, you know. And we already talked about that. That it's not just the players and the owners. There's other people that the livelihoods depend on it. So that's a good thing, you know. And I'm a guy that always look, tries to look at the positives and everything. Finds that silver lining, you know. But uh, it's pretty. <laughs> I never use this word, but it's, it's pretty corny actually to have no fans, you know. And just keep it at that. Yeah. Comical. It's, it's just, you know. And then, so how about, like, fans are trying to find any little thing that they can get excited about, right? And we're sitting here like, okay, there's not going to be any fans. Maybe we'll get to hear some of the chirps, you know. Maybe we'll get to hear some of the stuff that the guys are saying or, you know. And the NHL comes out with that five-second delay thing. It's like, man, we just can't have nice things, huh? Like, yeah, you got to shut everything down. Taking everything away. Everybody is. That's you know, Now we're getting back into the other podcast we're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> we could just do two. Yeah, I'm going to start writing stuff down. Shit. Yeah, that's the best part about, you know, the chirping is the best part of hockey. Yeah, like, like you're telling me, like, if you're censoring, I'm assuming they're censoring it, you know, for the younger kids. And then there's parents yeah. out there that don't want their kids hearing these words. You're telling me these, these kids have never heard the F word or, or you know what I mean? Meanwhile, even... all these kids have cell phones. And the first thing that pops up is all this pornography stuff everywhere. Yeah. And your cell phone, <laughs> everything. Give me a break. You know what I mean? Like, joke. Dude, I feel like we think the same way, man. Yeah. It's crazy. Like, I don't know. Not everyone's naive. Not as naive as they want you to think. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just crazy. So I know we were kind of disappointed about that. Uh, as Flyers fans, we have some of the better chirpers on our team in, in law and in Konechny. So we were looking forward to yeah. a good time there. Uh, so not playing in front of fans, would there be less motivation to play? Or I mean, I, I mean, we're all human. We know what it's like to play in front of people. It, you know, it gets the adrenaline pumping a little bit, but not playing in front of fans. Can you play the same way? Can you perform to the same standard? You think? Um, I mean, it's not going to be. It's going to be weird. I don't. I don't even know. I don't think so. It's going to be pretty weird. Really weird. You It'd be kind of lame. I would yeah, think, especially like a, if you're a professional like a athlete. hockey league tournament. You know what I mean? Yeah. You yeah, know? professional athlete like Ovechkin over here making. I don't know how much he's making. Like twelve million dollars a year, yeah. and you want him to go out there and just play a hockey game, not in front of anybody. I don't know. It just yeah, yeah. It's 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 very it's gonna be very interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I, I hope it's fun. As a fan, you know, I'm looking forward to watching hockey, but it just it does feel kind of bush league. Yep, yep, yep. It's uh, yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, which brings me to my next uh, kind of BS move here was the did you did you have a chance to watch that draft lottery at all? Um, no, I did not watch the draft lottery. Um, I'm sure you heard though. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm um, still trying to figure that one out. 
How does that happen? How does a team that's not in the bottom eight not yeah. only get a pick in the bottom eight, but get the first overall pick? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, it's. You know what? It's we on the next podcast we do. We got to do research on that and talk about it because I don't want to answer something that I don't know anything about. I have not watched that. All I know is that the Detroit Red Wings have what number pick? Four, I believe. Yeah, yeah, number four, and they had no shot at number one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. See, uh, for for one of these teams, one of these teams is going to get a chance at the number one pick. That's that's got a chance to also make the playoffs. It's it's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty wild, you know. Which. Um, I'll be honest, I kind of enjoy that because I, not that I'm a jerk, but I mean, the Red Wings were good for so long. I still hold the grudge against them from when they beat the Flyers in 97 or 96, whenever it was. So when I saw that they missed out on the first overall pick, it was kind of like a, a mini win for me. Like, aha, you know, you deserve not to get it. But, uh, and I also kind of like that a team that shouldn't get the first overall pick is going to get it. I just hope it's not New York, Pittsburgh, or, uh, <laughs> you know, or the Devils or whoever. Yeah. So <laughs> it'd be amazing if the devils get it again. Could you imagine, man? Yeah, what's, right? Let's, let's talk about the devils a little bit. Cause yeah, you, yeah. you know, you, you still pay attention to them up there. I imagine. Oh yeah. I follow, I follow the whole league and I, especially the teams I played for, you know, um, they're, they're, you know, they just hired Lindsey Ruff as head coach, which I think would be good for the space that they're in right now. And they, Tom Fitzgerald got named officially the GM, which is great. Cause he put his time in, you know, he was a great player as a first round draft pick by the Islanders back in the day. Had a great career, worked his way up through the ranks, you know, started at the bottom in management and worked his way up with a great organization, the Penguins, that was Ray Shearer's assistant. I'm glad they gave him the uh, uh, the GM position officially, you know, but they got a lot of work to do. You know what I mean? Um, uh, yeah. yeah. They're starting from scratch almost, you know? I mean, can we – let's so let's talk about, like, their last offseason a little bit and what the hell happened this year. I mean – people were bringing up the devil's last off season, at least on flyers, Twitter. And we're looking at guys like Subban, uh, Wayne Simmons. Uh, you know, obviously they drafted Jack Hughes and I, I feel like I'm missing a guy there. Oh, they got that, the Russian kid, didn't they? I can't yep. remember his name. Yep. From, uh, yep. And you know what? It was that first game of the season. They're up four goals going into the third period and they lose. And then they did that like five times the first month. They're winning games by two, three goals, and they lose, and they lose. It was unbelievable. You know, one guy I feel have a soft spot, heart for, whatever, for is Corey Schneider. I don't know what happened. Ever since his injury, he just hasn't been the same. And and they're stuck with him at $6 million next year, $6 million the year after. They got um, Wayne Simmons was just on a one-year deal. And I thought Wayne Simmons was going to come in there and be a great pickup for them and get at least 20 goals, be the guy in the power play, top six forward. And P.K. Subban, I figured he'd come in and help them out. But he's – I mean, you got two guys. He's nine, $9 million next year, $9 million the year after. They got $15, $30 million tied up in two guys for the next two years mm. you know, that, that are not playing to their capabilities, you know. Um, and then poor Jack Hughes comes into the team, you know, uh, all positive that, you know, training camp, everything was great. The first game was great till the third period. And then it just went downhill from there. And that, he's, he's going to be fine. You know, but uh, it's just a tough spot for him as well. But they're starting from scratch. Yeah. Uh, like, if, to me, it looked like, based on the, the moves that they were making, uh, it looked to me like they were trying to convince Taylor Hall to stick around with some of the moves. Like, hey, like, you know, we're going to be relevant. We're, we're, you know, a good hockey team, good hockey city. We went out and got guys like Subban and Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. We went out and got the best player outside the NHL, like, 
try to sign you. When I think they figured out that they couldn't sign him and they ended up moving him to Phoenix, I think you then saw, you know, they moved Simmons uh, to Buffalo for some reason, which was one of the weirdest trades. Yes. Uh, and then Hughes, like, I feel like he's got to grow into his body a little bit. I saw oh, yeah, him play yeah. a couple times this year and he kind of looked unsure of himself a little bit. Yeah. 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 He's, he's going to be fine. I mean, he's an amazing talent. It's just going to take him a little longer than most first overall picks, you know? Um, sure. But he's, so he's, 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 again, he's going to be fine. He's going to be a guy that he'll have a nice long career. And uh, like I said, Tom Fitzgerald, young, hungry GM, but he does have his work cut out for him. And it was a good hiring. I think, not for the long term with Lindy Ruff, but for the time being, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and let's talk about Lind, uh, Lindy Ruff a little bit because it's been a yep. while since he was a head coach, right? Yes. Yep. He's been assistant with the. Well, he was head coach at Dallas and assistant with the Rangers, but you know, a guy that had a nice long career and a, and a great coaching career in Buffalo. There, just could never get over the hump, which seems like nobody can there. Mm-hmm. Um, but a guy he's been around, he's got respect, and he has he puts good solid teams on the ice. You know, he does a good job. See, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that you can maybe elaborate on that a little bit more because for whatever reason, at least amongst Flyers fans, they kind of like the move as Flyers fans, you know, when the Devils hired uh, Ruff over uh, oh, LaViolette. You mean they like that move, meaning if it was LaViolette, they'd be better with LaViolette. Right, yeah. And, uh, you know what? I mean, rumor has it LaViolette was asking for way too much money. Yeah, well, that's what I heard. So from some insiders, you know, here here in Jersey, but uh, you know, well, we'll see what happens. You know what I mean? I mean, Lindsey Ruff, he's 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 a guy that's competitive, and and he knows that it's a uh, you can play possum there. You know what I mean? You're the underdog the whole year. Is he sort of an offensive minded coach? Because that's kind of what I was uh, gathering about him. Um, yeah, his teams sort of play a little looser than most, you know. And if he does that with the Devils team they have, it's going to be interesting. You know, the Devils need to play with a lot of structure and just build from the draft. They got to build through the draft. You know, that is interesting because do long term. Laviolette's kind of the same way. You know, all out offense, puck moving and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of interesting to they see how the Devils are going to do that. You know, it depends on what type of team you have, what kind of, kind of players you have. Yeah. You know? How and do you feel? You know, you get everybody on the same page, and if your best players or your best players both on and off the ice, hey, you got a chance. But if your best players aren't your best players both on and off the ice, you don't stand a chance. Yeah, I found it interesting, the guys that they were even interviewing, because I, me personally, I don't view the Devils as a team that's ready to take that step or a team that's ready to challenge for like a legit playoff spot. So for them to be interviewing guys like Ruff and Laviolette was a little bit confusing to me. But but maybe the perspective's different from from you guys up there. I mean, how what's going on with the team? Are you guys expecting them to make a playoff push or they're still in transition. Nah, I mean, they're in transition big time. They're they're, I mean, they're light on, they're light everywhere right now. You know what yeah. I mean? They're, they're total rebuilding. I hate that word rebuild. You know what I mean? But you know, if, if you want to use a word for a team, that's a team that's totally rebuilding. Are you confident in Mackenzie Blackwood? I mean, you know, he's a, he's a, a great backup. Um, I wouldn't say he's a, a, a great starter, you know. I mean, That's I'm confident nice. in him, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, Corey Schneider, if he can somehow come back and just get back to somewhat normal, but I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm hoping for him because everything that I've heard about him, he's a great guy, great teammate, and uh, he was a heck of a goalie, and hopefully he can get back to that because that's what they're going to need. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I still enjoy watching that uh, that rivalry, the Flyers-Devils. Yeah. And they're talking uh, about goaltenders, the Flyers with, uh, with Hart, huh? Oh, yeah. He got hurt the other day for like a day and everybody was going nuts. He probably <laughs> had the shits or something, man. <laughs> wow, <laughs> he said what a goaltender that kid is, man. I'm rooting for him, that's for sure. I watched all, I, the way up, all the way up through juniors and world juniors and all that. and You know, so far, so good. Knock on wood for those Flyers fans. Here's a question I wanted to ask you because you played with Marty Brodeur back when I think he was like 22, 23 years yeah, old. Yeah, we came in together. We played our first. We played a year in the minors together, and we played our first NHL game together. We played for you know a few years in Jersey. What was he kind of like when he first came into the league with you? Marty, what was his kind of personality or his aura? He's the same, same as he always is. Guy never missed practice, smiling all the time. If he let five goals in and got pulled, he went out and had three shutouts in a row. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He, he was amazing. You know, he's just a great athlete. <laughs> went out and had had fun, it sounds just like. Went out and had fun. And when I tell you, he never took a day off of practice. Even when I came back when I was 39 years old with the Devils, you know, 607, I believe it was. Um, he was, you know, he still never took a day off. And he could do whatever he wanted. He just loved being out there. He, he was so competitive in practice, too. You hear about that of all the best players, you know. Yeah. People think those guys just get good. No, they practice. And that's why they're the best. And that's why they're in the Hall of Fame. People don't see that part, though. No, no. They just think, oh, he's just got so much talent. Well, yeah. Yeah. no, he works at it. Yeah. That's why he's good. Uh, so I want to ask, I mean, from what you've seen of, of Carter Hart, I'm not sure how you know closely you've, you've followed him and, and, the, and the Flyers and whatnot, but are there any comparisons between Hart and Brodeur that you could see? Uh, yeah, well, no. I mean, Marty had his own style, like old school, you know what I mean? Um, sure. But Hart, like I said, I watched him the World Junior Tournament every year. You know, and uh, I really enjoy watching the Flyers play. I watch all the teams I played for, and I watch all the games, you know, yeah. the whole league. But I really, you know, the Flyers are a fun team to watch. Um, they have been the last few years. And that was, I think, the one missing piece. The biggest missing piece was a, a legit number one goaltender. And, you know, I, I believe the Flyers have a, a guy now in, in heart. For sure, man. I mean, it doesn't help to have, you know, Coach of the Year can, uh, candidate in Elaine Vigneault. Uh, Chuck Fletcher, I think, has done a hell of a job with the Flyers. I'm not sure if, yeah, you, if yeah. you followed some of the moves there, but he went out and got, I mean, obviously Kevin Hayes. He made some sneaky moves, I, I think, that a lot of people um, overlook or guys that don't get enough credit and guys like Justin Braun, you know, doesn't always oh, yeah. show up on the stat sheet, but he does his friggin' job. And I love guys like that. You know, it's so hey, you know, Vigneault's a great coach. You look where he's gone, everywhere he's gone, he's had success. Yeah. You know? Ooh, the Rangers here, he played in the league, you know, and uh, you just look at him. He's got that aura of, of uh, a guy that's well-respected. And, you know, give the Brian Elliott's a great tandem with Hart, you know what I mean? A veteran who's, what's he got? I think he was like 16 and 7 this year or something like that, you know? Yeah, he had um, a solid year. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's so you got two good goaltenders, a veteran back up there. And like I said, I, I like their roster, you know? Great seeing JVR, good old Jersey boy back with the Flyers. Hey, he's up from Brick, isn't he? Yeah, well, he played for the Brick Hockey Club. He's from Middletown, New Jersey. But That's right, that's right. A, a great family and a great player, and I was glad to see him come back there. You know what I mean? And you know what you're getting out of him every year, no matter what. He's going to put up some numbers. Yeah, that's true. Uh, here's the thing with JVR. I mean, I don't have anything against the guy. I think when people start to sour on him or complain, it's because I think they're expecting him to be something that he's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, this is the kind of player that JVR is. 
this is what he's going to give you. If you're expecting this, you're going to be disappointed, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, going second overall and all that, but he's had a great career, and he's still got plenty of good years ahead of him. You know what I mean? Yep. You know, yeah, I agree with you. Look at the lines. I think, what's he listed on their third line right now? If yeah, you, he's on the third if line. If he's on your third line, you got a big <laughs> chance of doing some damage in the playoffs. Getting yeah. to the if he's on your third line. A hundred percent. I think that's a major strength for this team is the depth. And, you know, a huge reason why he's going to be playing on that third line is Oscar Lindblom, who just obviously deal. Yeah. What do you think about that? No, it's good. I mean, he's a good young player, man. And again, they've, they've, they've got the players, you know, they just got to put it all together. They, they've having a great season. And of course they're having a great season and this happens, right? That's what we were all saying. It's just not meant to be, man. Water down in South Jersey and in Philly. There's something in the water down there. <laughs> oh, we were thinking Kate Smith came back to haunt us because they took her statue out of there. Yeah, it doesn't mix well. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he's a young kid, man. He's What's he, a 96, 06? Yeah, he's – that's a good signing for them, you know. And that's and that's another Flyers draft pick. You know, they, they, they got a roster full of draft picks. And that's I how think- you build a good, good, solid team. And you know what? We were talking about this the other night on a show. Because the Flyers that I guess we grew up with, because, I mean, you watched them too, you saw them too, they always kind of went out and bought players or traded the farm for a guy, you know. And what we've seen, I think, the last four, five, six years with Ron Hextall, uh, and everyone kind of got impatient and whatnot, I think for good reason, but he was building up the farm. The the Flyers have two minor league teams full of guys that they could potentially call up to to the NHL club. They've never had that in my entire life. And they got depth out the uh, out the wazoo on this team. Like, they can call anybody up to play on that third or fourth line. And I love that. I think competition breeds success. You know, if this if you have fourth and fifth line guys, you know, fighting out for uh, the last roster spot, you know what I mean? They're only trying to get better, I think, as opposed to being handed a roster spot. Do you know what I'm trying to say there? Oh, yeah. And Hextall, when he came there, as GM, he said it. Hey, we're building through the draft. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna do this right. And I don't know if you heard any other inside scoops because I don't know what happened with you know Hextall and management, you know. But I think that was a pretty sour ending. But he was doing exactly what he said he was gonna do and stockpiled draft picks. wasn't gonna make any you know trades to try to win now. And uh, you know, looks like they're reaping the rewards. You know, it looks like they can reap the rewards from what he started. Is what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I'm one of the guys that's out here, you know, giving Chuck Fletcher a lot of credit for the moves that he's making. I think he's been a really, you know, he's made proactive moves. The moves that I think that were necessary, but he's done them way ahead of time, which I appreciate. But I think a lot of credit is going to have to go to Hextall the way he basically set him up. You know, like it's like a slam dunk and Hextall's giving him the alley-oop, you know. Uh, I I think we're going to look at, because I I think the Flyers are going to win the cup within the next year or so. I mean, five um, of the top seven scorers are draft picks. Yeah, know? it's insane. Like, like, and then you go down the list, like tons of draft picks. You love to see that, you know. You know, homegrown, yeah, homegrown talent there. Yeah, yeah. And Lindblom was a fifth round pick. Like they, they drafted very, very well. They just signed an entire draft year. I think it was the 2016 or 2017 draft, but they just signed. They signed like eight out of nine guys from that draft, which yeah, that's unheard of. You know, that's great. So that's that's like I said. And then when you get those. Draft picks in there, and 
you, you start having success and even in the minor league team, then you could trade a couple guys away for a big time defenseman or a big time score or something like that. You know, you look I at think the, that's kind of where it's coming to. Yep. You look at teams that have had success over the years, they've all built through the draft. The Rangers, they finally decided not to freaking, you know, go out and just buy their team. And little by little this year, the year they're having this year, you know, no one expected that out of them with a ton of Rangers draft picks. Yeah, they got uh, kind of scary towards the end of the year there. Until they, I mean, they ran into the Flyers. I think they picked it back up after that. But yeah. uh, they were they were a team I don't think a lot of people were really paying attention to. And I I saw them kind of sneaking up. They're gonna they're gonna be a force, man. It's gonna be a fun. The Metro Division is just gonna be fun for a long time. Yes, it's so many good teams, man. And well, it's great to see, like you said, the Flyers, the Rangers. The Islanders, those three teams are hot right now. The Devils a little bit low, but it's great when these when those four teams make the playoffs, or at least three out of the four teams. It's great for this area. I love it, man. I love it. And I know a lot of guys these days, you know, as Flyers fans, everybody hates the Penguins, obviously. But growing up, I remember just having such a hatred for the rain. And it was passed down hatred. Like, I just – I hate all New York teams. Like, Philly's not allowed to like New York. So, for yeah. me, whenever the Flyers play the Rangers – I get I get more excited for those games than I do against Pittsburgh, you know. Uh, not that I don't get excited when they play the Penguins, but I just can't stand New York, man. It's pretty funny if you think about it. The Flyers probably have the most rivals in the league, legit rivals. The Flyers Capitals, a huge rival. Flyers Penguins. And then you got the Flyers Rangers, Flyers Devils, Flyers Islanders. Like, you know, because it's, it's not a real rival against the Penguins or, or the Capitals, but the Flyers have those five teams that they legitimately have rivalries against. You no know, in the league has that many. You know what I love? Do you remember uh, the, the years where they were playing like six or eight games against division teams or whatever oh, it was? Great. Love that. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. I mean, some people are like, yeah, they're playing the same teams every night. And I'm like, yeah, I don't care. Like, I love that, man. Yep. Yeah, the Flyers over the years, man, they had some amazing teams. They just they couldn't get over that hump. You know what I mean? Like the Capitals forever had amazing teams. and They finally get that cup. So, you know, it's coming, you know. I it's think coming. so. I think it's coming in Philly sooner or later. And let me ask you another question for, to get your perspective here. This summer Stanley Cup, if you're a player, does it still counts as the real thing? Yeah, why not? Someone's got, only one team can win it, regardless no, of the situation or what's going on. Only one team can win it. You know, that's going to uh, be an excuse for losing it. That oh, it didn't really count. Well, you lost. <laughs> you know, it is what it is. You know, they're having it. They're going to like I said. We talked about it earlier in the podcast. If they can pull this off, man, it'll be it'll be amazing. You know, uh, yeah, if they do fans too, uh, you know what? That's true. That is true. Yeah. I, part, I gotta, I sort of have to give the NHL some credit here because they yeah. kind of waited on things like, and it looked like they didn't know what they were doing, but they were waiting to the last possible second to make sure they were making the right decisions on things as opposed to, let's say a league like the NBA who chose, you know, back in, I don't know when it was May that they were going to play their games in Florida. And Florida's like, you know, who knows how things really are. But all we hear is Florida's like the epicenter for Corona these days. It's like We can't talk about that, remember? (laughs) (laughs) All right, yeah. So, I mean, (laughs) but I think, like, that's where you kind of got to give them a little bit of credit because they did wait. They wanted to make sure things were, quote, unquote, safe. And, you know, they got them playing in Edmonton and Toronto. It's crazy how Edmonton has that frigging storm. It's like – you know, if there's a hockey god somewhere that doesn't want hockey to be played. But. Yeah, right. And the rink just flooded, but they said this should be fine. Yeah. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I don't know if you want to get into NHL awards at all, but... Uh, yeah, you want to just... You want to 
Yeah, we'll re- breeze through real quick. Yeah, let's rock through them. Go ahead. Yeah, so we have the Masterton Trophy. We've got a couple guys up for that one. We have uh, our own Oscar Lindblom here. We have uh, Stephen Johns from the Stars and Bobby Ryan from the Senators. Three awesome guys all coming, overcoming huge life obstacles. They could all win the award, I feel like. Uh, yeah, that's, a, that's one. I was up for that one year, but that, that's a – I mean, Bobby Ryan's stories, they're all, all the stories are incredible. But uh, Get the hell out. Let's talk about that for a second. What, what year were you up for that award? I forget which year. I think when I was with Edmonton, I missed uh, – because the year before that, when I was in the minors getting my act together, I actually missed a couple months because of my neck. Dude, how did and I miss they told that? me I would never play hockey again. You know, the doctor's up in Canada. So don't let anybody ever tell you that socialized medicine is good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, but, uh, we'll save that one too. Yeah, we'll save that for the other podcast. But, yeah, but, no, enough. I don't even want to talk about myself. But Bobby Ryan's story is incredible. If you haven't heard it, whoever's listening to this, just, just, just look up Bobby Ryan. An amazing story that he even made it to the NHL. You know, and then Limblom, what he went through, all three of those guys. But I think it, uh, I think it, if I had to guess, probably be Bobby Ryan this year. Yeah, I would say so. I mean, his, his comeback, he scored a friggin' hat trick, and I think in a second yeah. game back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then uh, Limblom, here's my thing. He could win it next year when he actually, you know, comes back, you know, yes. God willing. Yeah, you yeah. Know, he's kind of shoe in there. Uh, Selkie Trophy, Sean Couturier's up for it. Uh, Patrice Bergeron, Ryan O'Reilly, who should win it? Wow. Well, Bergeron's got so many of them. Um, I say Couturier wins it. I mean, that's that's three unbelievable players right there at what they do best. <laughs> but, okay, so Bergeron's out because he's already won it a bunch of times. <laughs> you think that factors in? Uh, it's got to, man. And Ryan O'Reilly, man. I think it's time for Couturier because he's just getting better and better, and he plays against the other team's top lines and shuts them down. I mean, he's got, you know, 59, 60 points this year, and he's just doing it year after year, you know. Um, I have a feeling they're going to give it to Couturier. I hope so. I mean, he does deserve it. Yeah. Uh, on a show the other night, I was making a case for Bergeron. I could just see them, ah, you know, let's give him his fifth, and then Couturier can win it. You know, he's got the rest of his career to win one. Yeah. Uh, so the last one I'll get to here is uh, Coach of the Year, the Jack Adams Award. Elaine Vigneault's oh, up for it. You don't have to tell me. Uh, <laughs> down, John Tortorella. Yeah? Like him or not, I mean, that guy, they lost five tie-in players from their team. Nobody counted them in for the playoffs or anything. Everybody counted them out. To do what he did with that team, he's got to win it. You know, not that uh, Vigneault did a great job. And then who was the other one? Um Bruce Cassidy from Boston. Bruce Cassidy, great. He's done a great job. But, I mean, how do you not give it to Tortorella? You know? That's that's kind of the argument. Even some Flyers fans are arguing are arguing that way. I mean, obviously, we want Vigneault to win. We've seen what he did here. He changed yep, he yep. changed the locker room. He changed the whole mentality of the yeah. team. Yep. But he was also blessed with the roster that he got, you know? Both of those uh, teams. Both of those guys. But in that, And then and Bruce Cassidy, give him credit. It's not easy coaching a team with that many, you know, great players on it either. So obviously they all deserve it, but Tortorella has to win it to do what he did with that team. Five guys that were basically all-stars. Yep. A quarter of their team they lost. Guys that played every single game and their number one goalie. Yeah. Here's a question. If the season finishes out and the Blue Jackets don't make the playoffs, is he considered still? And the Blue Jackets don't make the playoffs, is considered still. Because I think they finished seventh or eighth you know, but they only played 69 some games. You know what? Um, just to be in that conversation, I guess. So, I mean, yeah. I'm. Why not? I say yes. Just to okay. be in the conversation. 
He did do a hell of a job. I was calling yeah. the Blue Jackets the Walking Dead all year, man. I kept waiting for him to die. And, and, just and, then they go, yeah. and then they lose. What is they? They lose Seth Jones, and they yep. still playing great. Yeah, he's and, a hell of a player, man. Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, what do we got next? We pretty much ripped through the topics here, man. No, oh, how about any other any other awards? We'll go. Oh, through. you want to go for some more awards? All right, let's. Uh, awards, then we'll wrap it up. Yeah, let me pop uh, one more up here. We could do the Calder. You know what? Let's the do the big one. Let's do the heart. Call oh, the heart. The heart trophy, most valuable player, Panarin. The Rangers. Hands down. Have, hands down. I, that guy, he is worth the price of admission. I, you know, every single game. If they didn't have him, they wouldn't be anywhere near the playoffs. That guy made as a winger. He made. He's like Patrick. He's a right-handed Patrick Kane. Made everybody around him better. Remember when everybody said he was Patrick Kane's passenger? Well, yeah. he shut everybody up about that. He sure did, man. He was amazing yeah. to watch. Uh, how about the years that Banajad had? Yeah, unbelievable, right? I think on the watch too. And Aaron gets some credit yeah. for it. Didn't he score five, six goals in a game or something yeah, that yeah. towards five the end there? It was Banajad. He was on fire. Yeah, I wasn't really buying the hype there, and he's he's a scary player, man. As a Flyers yeah. fan. Yeah, so we got Panarin, McKinnon, Drysaddle. You're saying Panarin hands down. Hands down. I mean, all the other two are great too, but with Drysaddle, when you're playing with McDavid, you know, not, not to take anything away from Drysaddle, and you know, McKinnon, he's got a great, you know, a, a great Landeskog. Landeskog. I mean, the list goes on and on. They're Ratnins, you know. Well, I mean, again, any one of them can win it, but I'm taking Panarin. All right. Yeah, that's a strong pick there, because I mean, I think most guys would go with the. Uh, Dry Seidel's like the uh, the sexy pick, led the league in points, 110 yeah. points, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Nathan McKinnon, I, I, I love watching that kid play, man. Yeah, uh, he's incredible. I hope he wins a cup soon. Yeah. He deserves it. He makes something out of nothing. Yeah, he's an outstanding player. Panarin, that's a, yeah. a solid pick by you. All right, so we'll go with that. Uh, maybe we'll save some of these other ones for the next episode then. Perfect. All right, Jim. First episode in the books. Nice. Thanks for having me, man. And then let's reconnect and uh, get a game plan going moving forward here. Sounds good. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. Jim, thanks again for coming on, man. We'll have to talk soon. Okay. Thanks, man. Have a great night.